Uh, yeah, I guess it's good to be back. I um, was in a podcast kind of conversation, a, a discussion group, when someone asked, what's the silliest thing or the strangest thing you've ever done on your podcast? And I had to say, uh, writing a parody of a song that I then sang karaoke on for my podcast. <laughs> At some point, I have to write out the whole Quinn Miners song, but uh, that was... Um, I know that was an inspired moment of I'm not sure what, and then I decided I was just going to go for it. What would that be our best? I mean, if we had to cobble together the best moments, I'm actually quite happy with it. I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty chill about um, whatever it takes. I am willing to do. I I think every time we talk about uh, Quinn Miners going forward, that's going to be the drop. <laughs> All right. But I mean, in 279 episodes, who knows what we did on like 43. That was funny. Hello and welcome to the Around the Nation podcast. It's playoff time. The podcast for Monday, November 16th, 2009. I'm Pat Coleman. And I'm Keith McMillan. And it was, uh, you know, just, uh, just another selection Sunday, right? It only took us 30 minutes to get to the second bracket in the uh, in the field here, Pat, in the podcast. Yeah. But like everybody keeps saying it. they're not too long, so we'll keep on talking. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. You've tuned in to the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Two guys and occasional guests talking about the news in NCAA Division III football. I'm Pat Coleman, the guy in charge of D3Football.com. Keith McMillan has been the guy at my side for so much of this, about 276 of these 280 podcasts. Keith, uh, this is the part where I ask you to introduce yourself in a style of your own choosing. Well, I'm going to go generic today. I'm the former player. And uh, boy, getting old now, right? We're, we're from the era of uh, of neck rolls and molded cleats, as we like to say, uh, when Under Armour was just a tight shirt. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the former player, the, the defensive guy, the balance to Pat's, uh, what, the yin to the yang, you know. Got to have someone to, to talk to to keep your podcast uh, interesting. Otherwise, it's just you droning on. Um, every now and again, there's like a play-by-play guy who can just do the whole game by himself and sound interesting, but um, you got you got to have another voice in here, right? Yeah, I mean, I you could maybe do that in play-by-play because at least there's something that you can describe that's going on in front of you. Literally, I would just be monologuing right now, and I did not take the improv classes. Monologuing, not my thing. But uh, February football is in the books. February football in NCAA Division Three. We had 31 teams take the field. Uh, we have a bunch more to come, at least, you know, on paper, we got a bunch more to come. Who knows, right? It's the uh, the way of the world right now. Uh, big news, of course, that, uh, you know, the Wesley program uh, was indeed uh, announced that it was going to be shut down all athletics at the end of this spring. We'll talk more about that. We'll have Greg Thomas on to talk about that. And uh, we'll talk about uh, some of the stuff that's already happened. This is going to be kind of a hybrid pod. You know, we could do, we could just go straight all the way down the rundown, you know, game balls, uh, the other things that are in the rundown. Haven't done a rundown since, um, you know, uh, November of 2019 or something like that. I kind of figure, kind of forget 
what the other categories are. Your categories have become tiresome. Yo, Quinn Miners is going to be going to the NFL Scouting Combine. That's coming up uh, just a little over a week from the time that uh, this podcast is going to hit. This podcast is going to hit in February, and I'm super happy about that. But I think we're going to have, so we're going to have an interview. We're going to do game balls. We're going to talk a little current events and just kind of, you know, kind of feel this thing out, right? It is the 2020 slash 21 season, which in and of itself is a little weird to say on a football podcast. But, uh, you know, we're just going to try to figure out what makes sense. And uh, glad you guys are here with us. Look, everything's super weird, Pat, right? It, it's February football. The phrase in and of itself is uh, is strange. And, of course, everybody's handling how to play and how to be safe on campus in their own way. And, you know, that's not new, right? We've been dealing with that for 10 podcasts now. And, and um, you know, going back to the beginning of, of what would have been the start of the fall season, uh, really, and actually last summer, right? We knew that last spring, we knew this was this was coming and happening. So there, there have been lots of really different um, angles that we've that we've pursued and thought about as far as what players should do with their uh, with their future, should they play? Um, should teams play? What even is the point of playing if you're if there's no stag bowl to chase, right? And so we'll get into all that actually in this podcast. I, I think this is going to be a, a really great episode for those of you who haven't heard one in a while. Um, you know, because we touch on all that stuff, the kind of the why we're even here, uh, what happened to Wesley, which of course, um, if any of us just put our ourselves and our institution in that in that boat and and yeah. we we learned in 2020 uh we learned that not all of our institutions are on really great financial footing uh just like you may know somebody who uh who was who was living check to check and lost their job these colleges are, are dependent on a number a number uh, of of kids that that show up every fall and then the business model is uh is disrupted and so wesley was uh, was kind of always struggling and they're they're the first casualty but also the most um high profile casualty that that oh, we've yeah. had you know we've lo- lost over the years um you know everything from swarthmore to mcmurray to you know blackburn and principia and you know some names that are kind of throwbacks for those of you who who uh, have followed over the years you know the, like i remember maranatha baptist football um but we've never lost one quite the caliber of wesley um, so that's that's a really big deal, and I'm glad we got Greg on to talk about that. Some of the schools that have had a good that had a good February, uh, Barry with a pretty good uh, February. They've been uh, blowing the doors off of people. Uh, you know, Mary Harden Baylor, obviously, maybe that's no surprise. But of course, they're breaking in a new quarterback or two. A uh, couple of guys saw action in that game Saturday, that win against Southwestern, and then you know they played Bellhaven back on like. February negative one for all I could tell February 6th I think actually but uh, not couldn't tell anything about that game because it was in the rain and the camera angle was so awful that's another thing about games right now is like um, schools are stretched to the limit right in terms of trying to get stuff done Um, you may not always have a broadcaster you may not always have your best video stream (laughs) live stats have worked about 40 percent of the time so far here in the first four weeks so it's really hard to uh, it's really hard to follow, but hopefully people are, uh, you know, people are understanding. I hope if you're a fan, let's say this: if you're a fan who has not been allowed to attend a game so far, 
um, because of COVID restrictions on particular campuses. I hope that you guys understand that these are schools that are making decisions, you know, that are much bigger than uh, athletics, right? These are schools that are uh, talking about who has access to their campus and, you know, how are they going to control the spread of the pandemic on their campus and keep their students safe and safe and keep their uh, their faculty safe. And, you know, if that means that you might not be able to watch your son's football game this particular spring other than online, I would just be thankful that they're playing. I hope I hope you guys can see that too. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Things, things are subject to change also over the course of the very short spring season as well. I mean, on one hand, it's just it's we're glad to have football back, even in this weird abbreviated form. Um, I was certainly stunned. I think when we saw the the Mary Harden Baylor Bellhaven um, highlight results, I was like, oh, yeah, football's back. That's right. You know, I kind of had, had forgotten about it, put it, you know, put it out of my mind didn't have it this fall you know we had this weird for you and i weird christmas season december where we didn't go anywhere yeah where usually we're like crisscrossing the country like you know i'll be in i'll be in uh, ohio you'll be in wisconsin then we'll I'll meet you in I'll meet you in texas um and so we didn't do any yep. of that and, and it uh yeah for fo- to have football back hopefully for those of you who build your fall around these schedules um, to now do it in February, hopefully is nice. You know, it really stood out to me. There was a, uh, a week where you embedded this uh, East Texas Baptist highlight in the run rundown. And uh, it, was, it was a pick six by a number 26. So I was thrilled to see it, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But it was the, the note in the, in the tweet kind of glazed right over it is the game was played in 32 degree weather. And at the time of that, uh, I was like, wow, it's pretty cold for Texas. And then in, you know, in the meantime, uh, it got really cold in Texas. And so let's not forget, too, that it's a weird time for football, but it's been one thing after another for for everyone, Um, whether it's, you know, people not having the the income that they're used to or or, um, people, as you as you hear Pedro Aruza say later in the podcast, uh, everyone's being asked to do a different job. If you if you still have your job, you know you're doing now yeah. uh, different different things at different times, and so everything's been upended. And it's um, hopefully it's a nice little break for those of of you who get to watch the teams um, on campus, or if you get to watch them online, to just have football back. And again, it's not you know doesn't have the pomp and circumstance of fall. You don't have the big tailgate or the big run up to Saturday with the, with the huge rival. Um, but kids are playing again and you got to be happy for them because they've waited a long time. Right now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we'd like to thank our sponsors. We want to highlight and spotlight our Patreon subscribers, including these guys at the D3 Guru level. I workshopped these names. D3 Guru is the one that came out as the one that people uh, thought was a good idea to use for this uh, this top-tier group. Thanks to the folks in this group for really helping fund us and make this uh, make this thing really happen. I want to thank you personally and literally thank you personally right now. Matt Grubbs, Kelly Boggs, Brian Proud, Ron Berger, Doug Rothschild, Bob Quillman. Some of you are basketball guys, some of you are football guys, some of you cross over. 
Uh, but we really appreciate you guys making this stuff happen because without that, you would, uh, you know, we probably would have had to turn the lights off at the end of December. Uh, we were uh, basically, you know, we're basically SOL. We had bills to pay and no revenue because no scoreboard and no games were being played. So our Patreon subscribers uh, not only get, uh, of course, the thanks from us in this particular venue, but also got a little bonus mini episode for you guys out of this podcast as well. And if you're basketball fans and Patreon subscribers, we've been uh, feeding you a steady diet of bonus content there as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing so. If you want to know more about how to support dfreefootball.com, either on Patreon or with a more like a one-time donation, then come to uh, dfreefootball.com. And there's a big banner that says, we need your help. Thank you, everybody. Game ball. Game balls. Game balls. Now it's time for game balls. And uh, with my game ball for February, I just want to recognize like all the behind the scenes things that go into making a football season in a pandemic possible. Uh, we have talked with coaches who, you know, turned their staffs in the fall into contact tracers and, and athletic directors who have done this in order to, you know, provide value to their campus in a time when athletics was not being competed and, and kids weren't able to practice or get onto the field or onto the court. Thanks to, of course, all the athletic training staff. Obviously, these are people who are taking on really big uh, extra roles right now. Thanks to uh, you know anybody who's left in a sports information office. It, it to be honest, you know there are not enough sports information director and sports information professionals professionals at the D three level already. And you know some of the schools that had three or had two people in that office uh, may have let one of them go or furloughed them during uh, you know during the downtime. Right now, those people are busting their butts to try to get live stats, video, anything that can be going on, because in some places you literally have 21 sports going on right now. All your fall sports, all your spring sports, and, uh, you know, basketball winding down as well. Uh, we talked about coaches and assistant coaches who are taking on crazy extra duties. Um, you know, all the people, uh, you know, who are handling campus health in general, uh, who are, um, you know, doing what they can to in enable the student athletes at the uh, you know 30 plus schools that have competed so far and the other 100 or so that uh, we might expect to see take the field this year in the spring to be able to do that. So I just wanted to give all you guys a, a game ball. Um, super virtual. Obviously, I am not shipping out a game ball to all 100 and whatever this is times Seven. I don't know how many Patreon subscribers it would take to make that happen, but you guys are getting a game ball from me for February. Pat, I uh, it's you know it's recruiting season, and people are trying to coach games at the same time too. It's just such a topsy turvy world. Um, I would be remiss if if I didn't stop and is competed in. Is that the right way to phrase that sport? You said our all the sports that are being competed in right now. Um. All the sports that are being competed, I don't know. I, I have to go back. All the sports in which competition is taking place, I would just write around it if I were editing that story. That's how you do it. Uh, I am a, a, a if I was a better man and not such a petty person, I wouldn't wouldn't bring it up. But it was so uh, it was so amusing to me. It's like we're two editors doing a podcast, man. This is what we signed up for. 
Yeah, that's true. I guess folks can just hit that 15 seconds, skip ahead. So for uh, for my game ball, you know, I also thought about doing something broad and, and abstract. Um, just recognizing that football is back. But but as I took in February football and we keep saying that phrase and it still sounds weird. I saw there were so many lopsided scores and, and so few exciting finishes, but there were a few and the resident defense lover on the pod would like to recognize Brett Tharp and the Bridgewater Eagles with a game ball. Bridgewater fans of the pod might remember Mike Clark's appearance on the previous episode, number 279. Bridgewater took a 21-0 lead on Shenandoah, but it became one of those steadily creeping back games. And when the Hornets cut the Eagles lead to 24-21 with 11 minutes to go and then held the Eagles to a field goal at the end of a 17-play, eight-and-a-half-minute drive, well, looked like Shenandoah was about to write the last chapter of the best game so far in 2021. And they drove and drove and drove and 10 plays into the drive, Bridgewater playing the air like they have to. Mathis is going to go, and it's intercepted. Intercepted by number 41, Brett Tharp. Tharp has had quite the game, and he steps up when it's biggest. Brett Tharp with the big interception, 42 seconds left. On the 10-yard line, Tharp intercepted Zachary Mathis in the final minute, and the Eagles survived. So, too, did a string of having at least one exciting finish each week. In week three, Huntington nearly blew a big lead against Brevard, but hung on to beat the Tornadoes. In week two, Barry drove for the go-ahead score with 11 seconds left to beat Birmingham Southern. In week one, there were the simultaneous defensive stops in Texas to preserve wins. So, Pat, you said it. They're, they're virtual, so they're free. Game balls for everyone. It's actually it's a really good uh, reminder of some of the things that we've had so far this season that go back to week one. And um, I am watching those two things happen on, you know, the big screen simultaneously side by side uh, Trinity on one window, you know, and, uh, you know, broadcasts on the other window as well. A lot of fun to uh, to do that. It's like every each, each of these weeks is like a playoff week in that we are following all the games simultaneously. There is no game that. Um, you know, that we can just not pay attention to uh, partially because we need to update the scoreboard and live stats, like I said, generally aren't working. So, yeah, like I said, um, yeah, February's long enough that uh, I think I have one more game ball to hand out. This is a little less abstract, a little more real life. And we're going to go back to week two for this one back on February 13th. Um, you know, I'm talking about the same sort of thing, right? We're tracking as many games as possible to keep that scoreboard operating, flipping from game to game, basically just staying long enough until someone says the time or the scoreboard uh, is clock is shown on the screen so I can update the scoreboard. And I swear, every time I tune into this East Texas Baptist game against Bellhaven, KJ Kelly is making a big play. Here's two of them. Both of them pick sixes. One of them already alluded to in this podcast. Asagunlin takes the pass. Oh, it's picked off once again. It's going to be a pick six. Pick six, number 26 for each of you. That's that's Kelly. Yeah, that's KJ Kelly Kelly comes in, takes a pick six. Just like that, we're back on the board. Rolling out to the right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Intercepted. That's number 26 for each of you. Yeah, that's Kelly wearing number 26. He finished with those two pick sixes, two more pass breakups, and then 10 total tackles in a 44-16 win against Bellhaven. And uh, two-plus weeks later, he finally gets a game ball from me for February.
Well, Pat, I did a real game ball with an actual person attached to it last time, but I think I'm going to go abstract for my second game ball. And look, any football player can relate to this. Probably anybody attached to any football program. It's it's long enough as it is between games. Just the wait from Saturday to Saturday is interminable. All week, practice, practice, practice. Look, it's fun, but it's not game day. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Then game day arrives and the hours march slowly. Look, I've never been to jail, but that must be how every day waiting to get out feels. You're just staring at the clock. How is it only 11 a.m., two hours to kick off? Ugh, ugh. You're in the locker room, you get dressed, stretched, spatted up, whatever the kids do these days. It just feels like forever. Now take that and multiply it by 450 or however many days it's been. It's my understanding that there would be no math since your team last played. Shout outs to and game balls for everyone who endured the wait, didn't quit, and finally got to play an actual college football game again. Now with the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, joined by Pedro Ruza, the head football coach at Randolph-Macon, his team off to a 1-0 start here in this 2020-21 season with a, a big win against Guilford, a shutout win by the score of 44-0 back on Friday night, the 26th of February. First of all, Coach, uh, congratulations. What was it like to get you, the guys back out on the field and actually have an opponent? I think it's been awesome. I mean, uh, you know you know you love coaching and you know that uh, you love being around kids and you, you love teaching, and, you know, the relationship that you get to build, but you know, it was really, really hard from uh, March until, you know, basically the la latter part of August, beginning of September. I, I didn't get to interact with the players except for over Zoom and maybe, you know, FaceTime or talking to the guys on the phone a little bit. So the fall, the fall was a lot of fun. We were very, very limited in terms of what we could do with the guys as far as uh, practice. And, you know, a lot of stuff was socially distanced, so it wasn't really – football until the very end of the semester, but uh, just, just having the guys back, I think you, you realize how much you love being around the kids and how much life and energy they bring to, to you. And so that, that's been the, be the be best part for me. You know, obviously you want to come out and try to be competitive and win these games. But I think that this uh, entire period has just given me time to reflect and really uh, think about why I do this and, and what I really enjoy about this profession. And, you know, obviously it's the relationships and being around the kids. Right. Because how many years has it been as head coach at Randolph-Macon now? So this, this would have been uh 2021 would have been my 17th season or wow. 2020. I'm sorry, 17th season. So 2004 was my first year here. <laughs> Boy, that time really flies. Yikes. I was not expecting that answer for some reason in my head, it was going to be like 10 or nine. No, I know it's, it's gone by really fast. So good to have the kids back out there. Uh, what did uh, what did practice look like? You know, how long had you guys been back out and, you know, getting the kids out there after the holiday break? Yeah, I think that's been the part that's been most uh, challenging. You know, we got our kids back here on January the 5th and the, the intention was to, you know, take that first week and do the testing and make sure that everybody was, you know, clear to go. So we didn't really plan on doing anything that first week that they were back. And then we were going to spend two weeks uh, lifting and running and then do two more weeks of, you know, lifting, you know, and, and a little bit more football specific stuff, not really getting into full practices. But, you know, like everybody else, we've been starting and stopping and starting and stopping 
And, you know, we thought we were going to get going there at the beginning of uh, February. And then we had to basically put everything on pause for uh, eight days. And when I say everything on pause, no, no meetings, no, you know, no practice, you know, we were very, very limited in terms of what we could do. And yeah, I take that back. We did a little bit of meeting over zoom, but uh, you know, the kids could come out and, and do an individual workout on their own for those eight days. And so, I think we had a, a maximum of 12 practices leading up to the Guilford game. So that, that part's been a little bit, a little bit challenging and frustrating, the, the starting and stopping, but uh, you know, we, we were able to do some things at the end of the fall. And I think that that carried over into the spring. So, you know, I thought uh, overall we were in pretty good shape going into this game. I was wondering too, because, you know, uh, following Division three basketball closely. Also, obviously, you know, uh, Randolph Macon, especially the men's basketball team, which is uh, the top ranked team in the country, you know, didn't play for, I think it might've been 21 days or something along those lines. And I was wondering how much of that also affects you guys. Like, is, you know, is there like a, you know, a campus wide protocol in play or just an athletics wide protocol, or are you guys uh, able to be bubbled enough that some of those things don't carry over? Yeah, I think it's really a little bit of both. I think that some of it is handled individually with uh, the teams and then some of it is more collective. And, you know, what we experienced with that eight day shutdown was, you know, campus wide. So that affected basketball, that affected football. Um, you know, the, the kids were able to go home if they wanted to, but then they couldn't come back until February the 20th. Uh, most of our guys decided to stay here on campus. And so I think that helped us, uh, you know, get going a little bit earlier. I think if they had gone home, then I don't think there's any way we would have been able to play this uh, this Guilford game. So, you know, you talked about uh, your level of prep and, you know, maybe did you say something like 12 practices basically altogether? Uh, I thought from watching the game, you guys looked pretty good. So tell me what uh, what you would have wanted to see if you'd had, you know, 18 or 20 or something like that. Yeah, I thought, you know, the thing that I was really happy about, I thought our kids played really, really hard. You know, I think our kids played really hard on defense. I thought our kids played hard on offense. I think that defense is always a little bit further ahead of the offense. And I think that from an execution standpoint, we could have been a little bit cleaner on offense. Um, but, you know, overall, I, I was really pleased with the kids' effort. I think they played really, really hard. Um, I thought our special teams did a really nice job. So, uh, you know, overall, I was really happy with it. You know, I, I, you just want the kids to be assignment sound and play really hard. And if they do that, then you know, the results are usually going to take care of themselves. What are the sort of things that you're looking to accomplish with the program here over the course of the, the next four games you have? Well, you know, I know everybody talks about culture and, you know, that's a, a word that gets thrown around a lot, but I think for us at Randolph making that's kind of been the thing that has helped us be a solid football program. And so, you know, I've said to the kids all year that, that that's going to be our focus. And, you know, obviously when you're out on the field, you want to focus on fundamentals and improving and, developing your players. That's always been a, a focus of ours here in, in our program. And so, you know, we're trying to play as many guys as we can. Now we're not going to put anybody out there that we don't feel like can compete or, you know, do his job and help us, you know, win, win a football game. But, you know, we rolled seven, seven offensive linemen in there in the, uh, in the first quarter, uh, rolled several defensive linemen through some spots. We don't have as much depth that, but I think we played five running backs and, uh, you know, tried to evaluate all of them. We got to play three quarterbacks. That That's probably not going to happen every week. Yeah. But I think it's important that, you know, one, we, we try to be competitive and, and win these games because I think that's why you play the game. But, you know, it's also going to be really important for us to see what some of these young players can do and 
you know, you always want to develop your kids throughout the season. That That's no different than, you know, if we were playing this last fall, you know, you want your kids to get better. You want them to get better in the weight room. You want them to get better on the practice field. You want them to, you know, improve in all, all phases. And I have to think too, you know, um, you got to think about uh, kids being healthy and then coming back out and doing this all again in August because, you know, a, a kid tears his ACL in, you know, in games this season, then you're very good chance of not having them in the fall either. Yeah. And Pat, on, that was a big concern of mine, to be honest. And if you, if you and I had a, con- if we would have had a conversation in December, I was very much on the fence about whether or not to, you know, go forward with the season. I was very concerned that, you know, something like that might happen. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I think there's two things. One, one, the only way you can get better at football is by playing football. And I thought it was important for us to be able to do that. And you're always going to incur some risk when risk when you're playing, right? If, if we hadn't been playing games, we would have been out, uh, you know, in full pads. And we would have been scrimmaging a couple times throughout the course of the spring. And there's always going to be a risk of injury there. Uh, you know, the other thing is I thought from a mental standpoint, from a mental health standpoint, it was extremely important you know, for our players to, to play this spring. And, you know, I had a conversation with Norm Esch at uh, Illinois Wesleyan. You know, I played at Wheaton and had a, a long, long relationship with uh, Coach Esch. And, you know, I called him in December and I said, Coach, what, what are your thoughts on, on playing this spring? And he said, I think it's imperative for our kids to just from a mental standpoint to be able to have something to play for and to, you know, be able to, to shoot for something. And, and I, I thought that, that was an important conversation. It really made me rethink some of the things that I was thinking back in, uh, in December, you know, I talked to coach Schweider, my old coach, and, you know, of course they're, you know, they're in a little bit different position at Wheaton um, in terms of how many fifth year guys they have coming back and wanting to preserve, you know, their, uh, their health. And, you know, you always want to be careful and you always want to take care of your players. We don't do a lot of contact and practice and we try to manage the, the, their reps and, we try to go about it, I think, in a very intelligent way. But, you know, when you play football, things are going to happen. And that's something that you're you're always risking. And the kids are weighing that risk, too, right? And they're also, I'm sure, weighing, you know, even though nobody's uh, burning a year of eligibility by participating right now, you still have to think about tuition. Uh, you have to think about progress towards your degree. Do you have kids, like, who are taking the semester off or taking the year off to try to, you know, uh, maybe some of them are going out and working and saving money so they can come back in the fall? Yeah, we only have one one young man that's taken the entire year off, and, and he was a guy that was a fifth-year senior that had saved the class for the fall. And, uh, you know, he loves football and wanted to come back, so he's taken wow. the entire year off. I was really, really pleased about that because um, he'll be a key cog on our offensive line, uh, Jake Wernel. Uh, we had four guys that took the fall off because they wanted to come back in the fall of 2021. Uh, they're back playing with us in the uh, in the spring. And then, you know, Pat, we had some guys that were set to graduate in uh, in December and in January, and we had, you know, some conversations about those uh, decisions. And I said to them, look, you, you have to do what's best for you. You know, at that point, there was no guarantee that we would even play in the spring. And so some of them decided to graduate in January. And and I, and I understand that, you know, you're, you're paying your way in Division Three, and, uh, you know, you're here to get a degree and an education now. I think we have a lot of kids here that love football and uh, they're very passionate about, you know, what we're doing here. And, and they chose to come back for another year in the fall of 2021. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about those guys too. But, you know, one thing I did, did in the, uh, in the summer is I, I met with each one of our seniors over zoom individually. And we had a conversation about, you know, we had over 
you know, 20, I think we have 27 seniors coming back. And I met with each of them and I said, okay, you know, here are the options. Here are the things that, uh, you know, you could do. And uh, my, my only comment to them was whatever you decide to do, you know, I'm going to get behind that and I'm going to support that because it's a different year and uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And I said, look, if you decide to opt out or you decide that, you know, graduating in December is the best thing, or you decide that the internship that you have lined up in, you know, the spring is, is something you, you have to do, yeah. then I'm, I'm going to support that. But, you know, we have about 10 guys that decided they're going to come back in the fall of 2021 out of that senior class. And, you know, again, that that's going to help us tremendously, in my opinion. So those guys are busy. Coaches have to be busy right now as well, right? This is your prime recruiting time and you're also, you know, dealing with practices and games. What are, what are, what all are coaches who are playing and coaching in the spring juggling right now? It's, it's a lot, you know, because I think usually at this time of the year, you're trying to wrap up recruiting and you're on the phone a lot. You may be going and visiting kids. Um, so, you know, you're still in the thick of that and you're trying to game plan and then you're dealing with all the other issues that, you know, come with COVID and, you know, I mean, our trainers right now are having to deal with testing and, and things that they've never had to deal with before. And I think we're all having to deal with things that, you know, we've never had to deal with before. And, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of mental health issues with the players and a lot of things that they have going on at home and academically. And, you know, some kids, you know, they don't learn as well over zoom. They don't learn as well, yep. you know, when they're not in person every day. So, you know, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot to manage and just trying to keep things in perspective. You know, one of the things that I said to our players when this whole thing started, I said, look, there's two things. Uh, on the one hand, you've got to take a, a short view of this in the sense that you've got to take one day at a time. And you know, as I tell our guys all the time, you can do anything for one day. And if you take one day at a time, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to, to work through this, right? And then you've got to take a longer view and understand that, hey, eventually this is going to be over and eventually things are going to go back to, you know, I say normal. I don't know what the new normal is going to look like, yeah. but, you know, you have to be able to balance those two things, right? What do you have right in front of you right now today? And then what's the, <clears throat> what's the long-term plan, you know, going to look that like? And, and that's what I've tried to, you know, give our guys some perspective on, because I think both are, both are really important. You know, when you come in, on a given day, you've got to put your head down and you've got to go to work and you've got to do your job and you've got to manage the tasks in front of you and do those tasks as well as they can be done and hammer away at those things. But you also have to take a long view of things and understand that there's a bigger picture. Keith, we've talked on the last couple of off-season podcasts about coaches getting a little time to breathe in the fall for the first time in forever. And uh, this is the exact opposite for any team that's playing right now or getting ready to play. I thought Coach Aruzo's comments about culture and, and why we're even trying to play this season really stood out, you know, as well as the part about having players backs, no matter what the decisions are. I mean, I think that's just the, the type of professionalism you want to see from your coach, right? Of course, you want all your players back and, and playing and you want to put the best team on the field possible. But ultimately, uh, people have to make the, the best decisions for them. You know, I have, a, I have a kid who a teenager who's playing sports and, and I tell her, look, by the time you're my age, um, you won't remember all the scores, the important plays. You'll remember some of them and probably not ever be able to let them go. But you'll you'll always remember the practices, the road trips, the relationships. You'll remember how it felt. And that, to me, is the part of the answer to why we're even playing. Because all the learning and growth and joy doesn't just happen when the whistle blows, but you need that goal, that thing that makes it all worth it to shoot for. 
Most of you know I'm a Randolph-Macon football alum from the pre-Pedro era, but as a supporter, we get an email from Coach Aruza before uh, each game uh, updating us on the challenge ahead. Usually it's you know, the next game and, and everything he's compiled about the team they're about to play. And we, of course, missed those this fall, but January, one popped in the inbox and it was about a Yellow Jacket alum named John Johnson who had played for coach and gone on to become a wrestler and recently passed away. I didn't know him, but at the end of the email, I felt like I had. And, and Coach Aruza talked about being able to call up Norm Esch and Mike Swider after all these years. Like that is why you play the games. Not to be overly reductive, but I think that's what we learned. We missed when we spent a fall separated, quarantined, without football, without our Saturday traditions, our tailgates, our trips to certain locales that we've got so accustomed to doing every year, the same weekends. It kind of made the time matter. You know, we missed that chance to do something together, to build relationships. And so as we ask ourselves, no stag bowl, no 10 games late, no top 25, why are we even playing right now? As we ask ourselves that, we find our answers in our relationships. No top twenty-five. Oh my gosh. No, Keith, that's crazy. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have a top twenty-five, or at least a top ten, or a top fifteen, right? At some point, we'll probably have to do it. Sounds like something we should discuss. You know what? We should. This sounds like really good bonus content. D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. We're joined by, I think we can say it now, the new Around the Nation writer, Greg Thomas. He's uh, joining us to talk about, well, one of the big stories of the past month or so, and really one of the big questions of the past year, the fate of the Wesley football program. Uh, Greg, uh, first of all, thanks for taking that job. We really appreciate it. It's good to have an Around the Nation writer. And uh, secondly, I know you're working on a Wesley story, so tell us a little bit about the uh, the, the Wesley experience here over the course of the next couple of weeks and might, what might be coming in the next six or so. Well, thank you for that, and thanks for uh, handing the handing the the wheel to of, of ATN off to me. There's a lot of big shoes to fill there, um, Keith and Ryan and Adam, and I just hope to do the space uh, justice uh, going forward. Um, you know, the first piece that we're doing this spring is probably not one we wanted to write. Wesley Athletics is being uh, discontinued as, as the website reported on February 15. And, you know, it's been uh, a bit of a bit of a rocky ride for the folks at Wesley, as you might imagine. Uh, this week, I had a chance to talk to Chip Knapp, uh, the head coach at Wesley, and Marcus Gaspar, a senior defensive back at Wesley as well, just to get their thoughts on what has been going on since really last July, when they found out that Delaware State was acquiring Wesley College. And now that they have a decision on on what the ultimate fate of Wesley football is going to be, how that plays into what they're doing this spring. Um, you know, as you can imagine, there was a lot of uncertainty in the beginning uh, when Delaware State uh, acquired Wesley College. They didn't know what was going to happen with the athletics. Um, there was some some hope that they might be able to do something like you see in Wisconsin or Pennsylvania with satellite campuses and the ability to operate different athletics programs at different divisions. Um, 
over time, that became an option that Delaware State didn't want to explore for various reasons. And ultimately, the decision to discontinue uh, Wesley football was made. So, you know, they've, they've been going through sort of some stages of, of grief at Wesley football. Like they, they went back to practice in January and, you know, they had been practicing for a little bit, got this news and, you know, now there's a finite timeline and there's, they're really working through it together as a group. You know, there was, you know, an initial moment of, uh, you know, disappointment and loss and then you know over time they've worked into you know the next stage of acceptance and now you know they're really taking it upon themselves to finish out this uh wesley college football experience um in a way that makes everybody associated with wesley football proud in a way that uh really underlines the successful tradition that Wesley football has built over the last 15 to 20 years. Keith, you know, obviously super strange, right? We are obviously, first off, I think we kind of all saw this coming from about a year ago, right? When this happened, maybe we even saw it back in May of 2018 when uh, Mike Dress and his untimely passing. Um, But to lose a, certainly a top 10 division three football program over the past 20 years, maybe even a top six, even a top five with as many deep trips as they've made to the playoffs, obviously really, uh, really sad to see this happen in division three. Yeah, it'll be pretty jarring to the, to the landscape, especially in the East and and what's technically um, at some points along the ride been the South region. Um, But we've kind of considered them the premier program in the East, they were also out of, outside of a conference at one point. So they were kind of barnstorming. You'd catch them playing at North Central and DePaul and uh, in Texas and in upstate New York, like kind of any, anyone that would have them. And so they became a really fun team to follow. Mike Drass and, and Chip Knapp were a huge part of that as far as them being like really accessible and really, um, you know, Coach Drass, larger than life personality. And then they obviously had the tremendous players over the course of the years from, you know, the Larry Beavers and the Brian Robinsons through the, the, the run of great quarterbacks that they had and, and, and um, you know, great linebackers, great defensive backs, running backs, like really at every level. So they, they were a tremendous program and it'll be a big loss. Um, I think you'll probably see the the recruiting area the the folks that went to wesley kind of fan back out over uh maybe over the njac the delaware valley you'll see some of those programs maybe absorb some of those players get stronger um could be like a stevenson or salisbury so you know somebody's going to get 15 or 20 players that they wouldn't have gotten in uh in in previous years uh, and, you know, to be frank, there, there were a lot of players that came through Wesley over the years that were, that were talented enough to play at Dell State. For those of you who have never been to Dover, um, Dell State is, is, you know, Dover is on Route 13. There's the big speedway and the casinos. Um, and Dell State is kind of like across the street, uh, essentially, from the casinos. You go a little bit deeper into town and Wesley was, was tucked into like kind of the older part of Dover. But really... Um, really close and, and you can see why it made sense for for Dell State to acquire those parts of uh of Wesley um I I didn't really ever 
I wasn't quite as optimistic that they'd be able to pull off the FDU Madison, FDU Florham situation where you have a school that has a big giant um, division one program, big campus, and also a smaller satellite campus. Uh, Greg, you know, you made the great point that Penn State does it, Wisconsin does it, and, and a lot of the name programs in D3 are parts of, of a, a, a bigger state university system. So it can be done. Um, but I, I think you're right that we'll just kind of miss the, the program itself, you know, as much as all of us are fe feeling sorry for ourselves for, for losing 2020, you know, Wesley's lost 2020 and 2021 and on into perpetuity. So um, it, it'll be, it'll be a real big change. I think, I think for the D3 landscape, not just future recruits who are going to go somewhere else, but you know, current players uh, 75 or so in the program right now who are all, I mean, not all, right? Some of these guys are seniors, although nobody uses a year of eligibility this year. So who knows, you know, progress towards graduation and all that. But that's a lot of guys who, you know, as you said, also will fan back out. I know some of them, uh, some of them already gone, right? Uh, one key guy gone to Delaware Valley already at the semester break. Um, and, uh, you know, I would, I would suspect, I mean, Delaware Valley seems to be a, a fairly similar school to Wesley and also you know, not too far away. It's not actually in Delaware for those of you who don't know, but, um, you know, similar success. I don't know about obviously every kid's individual academic program would be interesting as well too, but uh, you know, that's going to be interesting to see after these guys are done here this spring, what happens to them and where they go for the fall. I think that's just a super weird situation because when you join a program, you go to a college, you sort of join that tribe for lack of a, of a more precise way to put it. Um, and so you become, you know, you become Wesley football and it's, you know, all your, all your clothes are like a good, you know, like one third of your clothes has say, say the college you went to and um, you kind of represent that and embody that everywhere you go on campus, off campus. And, and when you play and through that process, you kind of shun all your rivals. And then all of a sudden your rivals are now like your best places to land some Wesley kids are going to have to look at Salisbury and, uh, you know, and Rowan and DelVal and, and, and places like that, uh, you know, Stevenson. And that's a weird process for, for you to go through as a player. Now, Pat, you and I have done this long enough and, and Greg, you've, you've been following along uh, most of that time as well. So we've seen other programs shut down and we've seen that, that there is a future for players who want to continue to play at uh, other schools. We've seen sometimes they pop up together at other campuses or, or in some sort of group. If a school is willing to have six or 10 or 12 guys all come in, you know, they, and they don't come in with the same, you know, guarantee, you know, no guarantees they all start, but it's nice to know, see some other faces uh, at another campus when they transfer together. It is just, it's just got to be really jarring as a player as again, 2020 has been jarring for so many people who were in the middle or towards the end of their careers, looking forward to a final season. Suddenly they didn't really have a season. They've got this kind of spring abbreviated season and then hopefully a fall of regular normal. Again, there's no such thing as normal anymore, right? You'll hear uh, Pedro Ruza say that in this podcast as well. Um, it's just got to be really jarring for those kids and you, you feel for them. But I think they've, in their case, you know, they had a little more warning than some of the schools that we've seen shut down on really short notice over the years. One thing that 
uh, Coach Knapp told me uh, when I talked to him this week is that they are, as uh, he, himself personally and Wesley's staff, they are committed to uh, using these competition opportunities this spring to get players out on the field and get them time to show what they can do as players, get tape out. And they're committed to helping those players who want to pursue football after uh, Wesley College ends at the end of this year to find places to go and do that. So, you know, it's Wesley family helping, helping Wesley family even on after, after Wesley is finished. Greg, did you, did you get a chance to ask um, Coach Knapp what his future entails? I, I didn't ask directly. He, it, it sounded very much like he was focused on um, his team this, this spring and helping those guys move on toward, uh, you know, for whatever's next, you know, helping the seniors finish out their careers in the best way that, that they can. Everybody's disappointed that they're not going to get a chance to play for a championship. That's a, that's a, an expectation at Wesley and one, one that's been well-earned um, given their track record. Um, but, you know, he's, he's really focused on finishing uh, what, what they started at Wesley. And then, you know, I think we'll, we'll see what happens with coach Knapp uh, afterwards. And I, I hope we see him. Uh, I, I I would be shocked if we don't see him in football again. He's he's too good at this to to not be in football, and I hope that we see him in Division Three uh, because certainly uh, he's been good for Division Three as well. Hey Greg, before we let you go, so we have now in the pantheon of the history of the Around the Nation column, we've got. Uh, two ODAC guys we've got two Wabash guys so congratulations I guess on uh, bringing us back into a into a tie situation and um you know I just wanted to uh I just wanted to point that out right I I feel like there is something about I don't know there's something about those programs that are uh attracting people to this group uh to this team uh, we're glad to have you uh not only of course having been part of this team for a couple years but to take on this bigger role this is going to be great Thank you. It's a, it's an honor. Uh, you know, the around the nation space is um, really, really important to the site and to Division Three coverage. And like I said, I, I I'm I'm honored to be part of it. And I, I just hope to do justice to the guys that came before me who who wrote in the space. And I would be remiss if I did not at this moment thank our Patreon subscribers who are making it possible for us to bring back columnists here, even in this, uh, you know, this shortened season where we're not going to get nearly as much ad revenue as we usually do because we've got, I don't know, we've got half of the basketball teams playing and we've had 31 football teams play so far. Now's the time on Sprockets where we dance. Now is the time of the podcast where we dive into Twitter. We know you still have questions, so we throw out that reminder to hit us up when it's time for Keith and for me to step into the studio. And this is from at Sween859, who asks, is it 100% that we're even going to have a full fall season at this point? Oh my God. Well, that's a great way to just uh, start into this, but uh, good question. Um, you know, Keith, let me just ask you, like from a 
uh, from a parent standpoint, a parent of someone who's, uh, you know, not a collegiate student athlete, but maybe might be someday is, do you feel confident about having a normal ish fall in D3 athletics? Yes, but I feel like it's still going to be possibly on a case by case basis. And what I mean by that is, 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 um, regionally, some areas are, are going to be doing better than others. Seems like so, some, because vaccine distribution is state by state and, and some of the health um, guidelines are county by county, I, I think you could see like, yeah, we're definitely good here in, you know, the South or whatever, but in New York, you're going to have different, I mean, I'm really just making the places up, California sure. or whatever might have different um protocol and there may be some schools that are that are more cautious or slower to go back more you know they'll say they're more reliant on the science and and less in need of the 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 activity to to bring numbers back into the college and you hope you know everybody's acting with with um students in best interest or they're acting with students best interests in mind um but I, I feel like the pressure, besides all these external pressures, the pressure to just quote unquote, get back to normal, I think will be so great by the time we get to the fall that if there's any way schools can pull off nine game season, 10 game season, they're going to do it. Um, now, whether, whether that may mean the, the non-conference game doesn't come back or you're only going to take a game if it's a bus ride and no overnight stay in a hotel or something like that. Like there may be some, some caveats to, to getting back to a full schedule, but I, I think we're going to have, um, I mean, if things progress the way they seem to be progressing with, uh, especially with, with COVID case numbers declining in, in a lot of um, places across the country right now, um, you know, you have to imagine that, uh, that schools will be eager to get back to normal and nothing kind of signals normalcy uh, than filling up the, uh, the old football stadium on a Saturday on campus. And, and, um, Oh yeah. Now do you bring fans back right away? Well, right. There's all that other stuff you got to consider, but letting the students play, if you can continually um, test them or maybe, you know, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll be required to, to have a vaccine to, to have played. Who knows? Yeah, I think yeah, it was right up until the point when you said football stadium full of fans. I was like, oh, yeah. So I was envisioning my answer was going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, normal, but maybe still with some disruptions. Like we'll probably get 90 to 95 percent of our games in unencumbered, right, without any big issues. Um, but yeah, maybe there will be places where, you know, we don't necessarily have a, a bunch of people gathering. I think that, uh, and I was talking to a, a conference commissioner about this uh, a couple weeks ago, too. I, I do feel like fall sports and uh, hopefully certainly by next winter, we should be in pretty good shape. Um, I know that right now, you know, I'm heavily anticipating that my college age kid goes back to college in the fall on campus. But I mean, that kid's not scheduled to get a vaccine until sometime mid to late summer. So, you know, if if it's diff if it's worse somewhere else, then, you know, it might be uh, it might be a little difficult. So I guess we'll see. I remain 
optimistic, not even cautiously optimistic. Maybe I should be cautiously optimistic, but for the moment, I'm just optimistic. And this was the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, number 280, released on February 28th of 2021. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye out for our continuing coverage of spring football. Now we move forward to March football, the madness of football in March. If you like our podcast, please consider rating it in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, you know, the places where you get podcasts typically allow you to rate them, and we would love it if you did that because it will help other football fans find it. And you can also leave comments on a specific episode on the blog page, or you can reach us to talk more about Division Three football on Twitter using the D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football. Keith is at D3Keith. Um, Greg, who is on this podcast, he's at Wally Wabash, I hope. I'm not looking it up. We're going to say that's what it is. Just tweet him there. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports as well. Did you know? You can join the conversation by registering to post at d3boards.com. Also, you can follow d3football.com on Facebook. Executive producer of the d3football.com Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music and a lot of the other music used in this podcast is by DJ Mentos, whom you can find at djmentos.com. You can also find him on Spotify. Thanks to our guests, Pedro Ruza and Greg Thomas, as well as sports information director Phil Stanton for their time and assistance on this edition of our show. And of course, thanks to the creator of Around the Nation on d3football.com and my co-host, Keith McMillan. <laughs> We're going to pop the air horn in there, right? All right. Whatever makes you happy, Pat. We'll be here to cover this uh, the rest of this uh, spring season. It'll be a lot of fun. You can uh, see all that on d3football.com, and you can find a new podcast in this feed from us slightly more often than it has been in the fall. Uh, backtracking one second, I saw you tweeted a DJ Mentos thing. Tell us about it. Well, he just put out a uh, singles series. So he is a Richmond-based uh, DJ and uh, works with a lot of uh, MCs in the, in the area and uh, just released a series of uh, songs that he had done that weren't organized for any album. And uh, we'll be releasing those on uh, his, his Twitter feed at DJMentos.com. And of course, he has um, a couple of beat albums out called The Max L Tapes, Volume 1 and 2. And so if you need some music to listen to while you're working at home, if you're like me, I can't listen to music with lyrics while I'm trying to get something done. I just yeah. focus on the lyrics and not on my work. Yep. So I love to have instrumental albums to play. And um, those are those are really great. I've been enjoying those and uh, and all the, the unfinished beats that he sends me. Um, I've been enjoying those during quarantine as well. If we download them on Spotify, what's the fraction of a penny that he gets per play? I believe, I believe, I think Apple Music pays the most at two cents and, or something like that, but I could be wrong. Um, but he's on Spotify, Apple Music, and uh, Bandcamp is, is the best place to support uh, an artist because uh, the money goes directly to uh, them. Like Patreon for musicians. And you actually will find musicians uh, on Patreon. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody.